Hello, Robert Aducci here with Bone, Stone, and Obsidian. This is a special episode, something new we're trying. This is a reading from Secrets of the Deadlands and Faces of the Deadlands, which was just recently released. This is the sections on the kingdom of Gretsch and Gretsch. You can find them both on athos.org. Secrets of the Deadlands, the Kingdoms of Gretsch. The lands near the western edge of the Black Glass, extending along the southern base of the Forbidden Mountains to the cusp of the Nagarvoses, are particularly barren and fierce. Prevailing weather brings the hottest blasts of wind from the regions below Terran Vale and Lost Scale, scorching the land with seemingly incessant gales. Even the regions to the west, up the little-known winding way beyond the obsidian, are shunned, ridden off as too harsh to make trade or settlement worthwhile. Those who have ventured through the waste to the edge of the Black Basin say that where the cliffs rise above the black glass, a thousand lost spirits greet you on the morning winds. The terrain is rough but broken, and unusually varied compared to the rest of the Deadlands. There are hills and caves, even small glaciers of obsidian flow slowly yet surely down the gentle slopes of the subvitrine, granite, or marble. The obsidian is surprisingly thick across much of the region. There is no life here, as is true to the rest of the Deadlands, not even moss or lichens. The stone and obsidian are sterile, scorched beneath the unforgiving Athasian sun. Despite its harshness to the living, however, these rugged lands are home to several distinct civilizations of undead. They are the kingdoms of Gretsch, a collection of nations locked in eternal struggle against one another at the insistence of their overlord. Gretsch. When Rajat, the first sorcerer, gathered his first human students, Gretsch was among them. Born into poverty, he had a passion to venture to, into the artistry of magic. When Rajat divided his students into two groups, one to learn preserving magic, the other to study defiling, he placed Gretsch with the former. Dabbling in the newfound craft, the young student was drawn more to the destruction and death, a passion that drew him like a moth to the flame. He discovered one of his peers practicing the defiling arts, disobeying his master's wishes, began studying the practice of defiling magic. He applied its power to further his own ends, masking his work to make it appear innocuous to those around him. For years, he masqueraded as a preserver in the school of the great Rajat, building his power slowly, steadily. One day, his experiments grew too large to mask without the sacrifice of living life forces. Locked away in the service of Rajat, Gretsch had only his fellow students to prey upon. And in one dark moment, whilst penning a radically experimental branch of defiling magic, he decided to make his move. His first victim did not survive the casting of his magic, and Gretsch hid the body in the wilderness. The next survived in an undead form, but the creature was flawed and dangerously insane. So Gretsch secured the remote chamber in the school and chained the monster to the wall. He needed more experiments and more life forces to power them. Each time Gretsch learned more, his magic was still experimental. He was the first sorcerer to dabble this deeply into the black arts, a pioneer in discovering the magical lines between life and death. Over time, he created more than a dozen creatures, all by different methods, by new applications of his dark art. Nevertheless, each was disfigured, mentally unstable, or both. 
hidden away beneath heavy chains with the others. The disappearances of so many students drew the attention of the halflings charged with monitoring the wizard students and eventually of Rajat himself. Gretch was certain they would discover him, so he fled with his new creations into the darkness, establishing himself in what was known as the Grey Tower in the plains of central Ulyan. His timing was unintentional but perfect. Rajat was preparing his champions and had been considering Ulyan as a suitable region for demonstrating to his champions the cleansing he intended. The first sorcerer had observed Gretch's flight and visited his Grey Tower. Gretch was given a choice. He could perish or serve as Rajat's agent, tasked with preparing the human herders and plainsmen of Ulyan to be recruits in the armies of the Great War to come. Gretch willingly submitted to his master, providing Rajat with copies of his research. He then began the slow process of gathering the human herders and indoctrinating them with hatred of the gnomes, trolls, ogres, and others who lived in Ulyan's great cities. The humans were mostly poor, and over the generations, Gretch's surreptitious efforts kept them that way. All the while, he was feeding their avarice and anger and promising them deliverance through a mighty warlord to come. He supplied information to the non-human merchants as well, ensuring that the plainsmen never gained profitable terms of trade. At the same time, Gretsch spent years furthering his magic studies, always concentrating on the mysteries of death and life. Life in his gray tower with lengthening years did nothing for Gretsch's health, and in a matter of years, he was an aging, diseased man, surrounded by strange, undead monsters of his own making. He sought immortality in the form of the ultimate undead being. Gathering everything he had learned, he put himself on the slab to sacrifice his own life force to his passion, aided by his hideous assistance. The spell was set, the components sacrificed, the incantations uttered, but something went terribly wrong. Either Gretch's spell was imperfect or one of his servants had made a subtle mistake. Gretch had become an immortal undead of magnificent power but the error in casting left him with only a minimal capacity to expand his intelligence. His one dream to forever build upon and increase his knowledge of magic was ruined. Gretsch blames all of his major creations, who were present assisting in one capacity or another with his own reanimation, for the unknown error which has since shunted his fearsome intellect. When the champions and their armies led by Rajat himself came down the winding way to camp at Gretsch's Grey Tower, the necromancer's work among the tribesmen was put to the test. The great majority heeded Rajat's call, recognizing him as the mighty king prophesied by Gretsch. The army trained at the Grey Tower, then marched forth to victory over the army of Nargarvos at the Forkach River. Gretsch desired to join his master's legion, leading his own undead troops. But Rajat forbade it. Cleansing the world was work for the living. Gretsch was ordered to remain in his tower, continuing to recruit tribesmen and funnel them toward the champions, who were now besieging Nagarvos. Gretsch hated his role, but excelled at it. He collected all the corpses from the Forkach River battlefield and soon assembled a vast horde of undead troops. Rajat continued to spurn Gretsch's request to join the armies, explicitly relegating the necromancer to second-class status below the favored champions. Gretsch has never forgiven nor forgotten the mockery of the champions, and his hatred of them burns all the brighter in his unliving eyes. After Rajat's armies conquered Nargavos and split up to destroy the remaining demi-human kingdoms of the Ulyan, 
Gretch petitioned Rajat to allow him to move his operations to the ruins of Nargavos. From there, Gretch would be Rajat's viceroy over conquered and cleansed Ulyan, and not incidentally, he would have a vast pool of fresh corpses to animate. Rajat, however, refused Gretch again. Instead of granting the smoking ruins of Grand Nagarvos to Gretch, he gave the city to another of his magical disciples, a researcher named Quith. Quith built an elaborate school named the Naval in the ruins and proceeded to develop new magics there, enraging Gretch, who perceived in Quith's groundbreaking experiments a standing insult to his own intellectual limitations. It is rarely mentioned, but nonetheless believed by many of the senior thinking undead in the inner circles of Quith and Gretch, that Gretch may have played a role in the bringing about of the Obsidian Boil. Gretch himself has certainly never denied that he had a part in the disaster that befell Quith's research. He was able to rescue the great majority of his own subjects from the Black Tide and quickly reestablish himself and his kingdoms on the Black Glass occupying the vast regions west of the City of a Thousand Dead and south of the Forbidden Mountains. The kingdoms of Gretsch were, at a stroke, the most powerful empire on the Black Glass. Gretsch himself rebuilt his Grey Tower on its former spot, renaming it the Obsidian Fortress, since it was now gleaming black, built solely of obsidian. Though Gretsch was well prepared for the boiling death, he and his client kingdoms were completely surprised by the swarm of undead insects which burst up from the south about a king's age after the obsidian wave. The southernmost of Gretsch's client kingdoms were overrun and destroyed almost immediately. Gretsch rallied the undead of his central and northern kingdoms, digging in to defend themselves on the southern slopes of the Forbidden Mountains and around Gretsch's obsidian fortress. The bug dead struck both east and west of Gretsch's kingdoms as well, and the combined defenses of the humanoid undead eventually repulsed their hordes. Gretsch himself re-established most of his client kingdoms, though the ruins of Olnak and several of the other southern kingdoms were lost. Gretsch credits himself with inspiring Harkor to develop the bug dead accords, though he violates them whenever it is convenient. For example, his personal bodyguard is composed of dozens of the undead Zath Zagath, which Gretsch raised after the fiercest battles of the original Bugdead assault. Gretsch rules his kingdoms to this day, immortal and tortured by the fact that he will never grow as powerful as the champions he so despised, the champions Rajat preferred over him. He continues to experiment, but he can create few innovations, merely variations on the themes he established in life. Around him are his first creations, powerful yet flawed, the children who made him what he is. Gretsch loves them, and he hates them. When he re-established himself on the new obsidian plain, Gretsch took advantage of the chaos left by the obsidian wave and claimed vast regions wherein he made each of his experimental creatures the rulers of his own small kingdom, masters of civilizations of undead. He allows them to create realms in their images as he was allowed to create. He then sets them against each other in brutal wars so that they might lose what they created, just as he did. Gretsch's puppet kingdoms mark for the largest geographical area controlled by human undead, though many of them are rather sparsely populated. While they may share their same master, each of the kingdoms features a different culture and feel. Each domain has its own types and frequency of undead. One feature nearly all of them seem to share, however, is a very large number of mindless undead, such as zombies and skeletons. 
Technically, the kingdoms of Gretsch are still under the rulership of Gretsch himself. However, no one, except possibly his uncrowned, has seen him in centuries, and there are only rumors of his direct interference in politics and machinations of the kings who rule under him. The mystery and confusion surrounding Gretsch lends all the more gravity and fearlessness to the sight of his emblem when it appears, usually etched into a wall or as an emblem on the clothing of one of his uncrowned. It is a sign that Gretsch is watching you. For someone of such lasting influence on the Deadlands, Gretsch remains infuriatingly reclusive. No one has seen his face in a millennia, and almost no one can claim to even remember what he actually looks like. This seems to suit Gretsch just fine, and in his few dealings with outsiders, he is happy to use disguises, masks, and more to give them a false impression of him. Gretsch is cruel, inhuman, and manipulative. Whether on or off the battlefield, Gretsch is the ultimate manipulator and puppet master. He will casually destroy his pawns or enemies on the spot of the battlefield should the need arise. He is also known for his fiery temper, which can rage on for an inhuman amount of time, leading to the prolonged punishments, disfigurements, and curses for which he is now infamous. Ever since Gretsch was a student in the earliest days of the Pristine Tower, he has never really viewed other sentient beings as anything more than tools to be used. His cold and serving approach to other beings seemed a bit inhuman even to his fellow students, who would later to go on to become Rajat's champions. This inhumanity mixed with endless frustration when his transformation into undeath was botched, granting him his desired immortality but leaving his formidable intellect permanently damaged. Constantly reminded of how powerful he could have been, even as he struggles with his impaired mind, Gretsch has since become a truly a monster in any definition of the term. Given how elusive Gretsch can be, it's highly unlikely anyone will ever face him in single combat. It is far more likely that enemies will be faced with one of his elaborate traps, or one or more of the uncrowned, or an army of his undead. In the event an enemy is lucky and foolish enough to personally engage Gretsch, they will find his combat strategies rely heavily on deception and intimidation, using his spells to literally break enemies' bodies and spirits he will inflict terrible, debilitating magics on the strongest aggressors, bringing them low before him, destroying them in front of their weaker allies. Gretsch's story is the story of not just the Deadlands, but of the events leading up to the Cleansing Wars themselves. Gretsch attended the Pristine Tower to learn the new magic of Rajat with his very first group of students. There, Rajat saw in him a callous hunger for power but also a complete lack of empathy or interpersonal skills. As Gretsch learned arcane magic, his desire to test the spells on living subjects, sometimes at the expense of their lives, proved problematic and eventually led to his hasty departure from the tower. Seeking a place of his own, Gretsch constructed the Grey Tower in the plains of central Ulyan, near a series of low hills. There, Rajat visited him and coerced him into the helping prepare the lands of the Ulyan Basin for the coming cleansing wars. Over many years, Gretsch slowly but surely stoked the anti-humanoid fears of the poor human plainsfolk and fishermen in the central and western Ulyan. By the time Rajat returned, many of the humans in Ulyan saw him as the prophesied king of legends and willingly joined his armies. Rajat's humanocentric rhetoric eventually turned against Gretsch, however, after he had tra transformed himself into a morgue. Rajat forbade Gretsch and his undead legions from joining the cleansing armies. Cleansing the world was the work for the living, 
Instead, he was relegated to a menial role of collecting and recruiting for the cleansing armies as they laid siege to Nagarvos. Gretsch retreated to his gray tower to brood, sending his minions to collect and reanimate the battlefield casualties. The world will never know his true involvement in the obsidian boil, but it is no secret that Gretsch was well prepared when the black tide swept the landscape. And he was the first to rise again after the molten obsidian cooled. His history of research into the gray also meant he was the first magic user to learn gray casting, tapping the energy of the gray. And for a short time, he was the first and only magic user on the obsidian plane to regain his powers. Gretsch is rarely seen by the rulers of his kingdoms or their subjects. He will leave small indicators of his influence on their domains, often in places to serve, that serve to remind them that there is nowhere he cannot reach, no one he cannot influence. Gretsch's symbol has come to evoke a feeling of crawling discomfort and unease, a feeling that this is as close to fear as most undead are capable of. This has been selected readings from Secrets of the Deadlands and Faces of the Deadlands on athis.org. Read by Robert Aducci. Sound by Dungeon Crawler Audio. If you've enjoyed this, please let us know on social media and we'll do more.